Welcome to Canadians with Disabilities and Their Allies. My name is Brent Frayne. I'm the host for the show. And today I have Debbie McCoy joining me. Uh, Debbie's going to be talking about uh, her and her mom's lived experience uh, regarding PWD in Canada. Uh, it's such a great pleasure, Debbie, for uh, having you join me today on the show. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. What a joy this is. I've never done anything like this before, so it's very exciting for me. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I was actually, you know, you're very welcome. And I was actually at that point when I first launched it, I was like, I, I've never done this before, bringing people together, about talking about lived experience. And so bringing people together across the country and, and around the world too, I, mm -hmm. I guess around the world now too. And it's, it's just so amazing of what a person can accomplish by bringing people together and just, just generally just talking about it and putting it out there and saying, hey, like this is what I'm going through in life. Like you yeah. want to hear my, my life experience, my stories, and and I and I bring in other uh, groups of uh, transportation um, experts, uh, accessibility uh, people with accessibility experts, uh, politicians, uh, who then carry our voices forward um, and just mm -hmm. bring about um, the, their point of view as allies, right? And and people with yeah. di disabilities, uh, them talking about it and echoing it out there. And, Maybe people have a lot of um, similar uh, ideas and uh, maybe their approaches on what's affecting their lives. So it's awesome having you join me. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great, great show. And just before we uh, launch into this, Brent, I just wanted to say, too, I mean, as your editor and producer, I kind of joke, joke with you, like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice to have like a million followers and stuff? But we, we talked about <laughs> yeah. this off air is uh really it's not about the million followers it's actually who is who is tuning in and listening and when you when you met with uh sheila malcolmson mm -hmm. uh, she told you that she was tuning in and listening and that's that's great that's wonderful that you have the right people that are tuning in and you have the ear of the right people you know and that mm -hmm. that to me is the most important thing yeah, you know, and that's one thing that I, I had a discussion with the uh, Honorable Minister. Uh, and, uh, you know, I she says, well, you know, you're so active on Twitter. I said, well, advocacy doesn't take a break. You know, and that's so true. Advocacy doesn't take a break. I, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I do take a, a break here and there. But I mean, uh, but with advocacy, it doesn't, I don't take a break. Like it's uh, maybe a little bit of me time. Uh, and that's good, right? But uh, I'm still still reading up on you know, who would be great to have on the show, who, you know, reach out to me and, and saying like, you know, let's talk, uh, let's talk about what's going on in, in life and, uh, and connecting with, um, interconnecting with uh, other uh, people of, you know, 
saying like, hey, like, are, do you hear what's going on? How do we make changes going forward and uh, to make things better for people's lives? Uh, and, and fundamentally, uh, it's all about human rights. It's all about um, having people on the, maybe, maybe not all on the same page, but having ideas from different people and connecting it all together and build, like, building blocks, right, of having goals set and reaching those goals and how do we achieve those goals and that's something that we'll, we'll dive into um, also on the show but you know you're right it's on how how many people are actually listening it's not how much the audience they can total who, who's it's, listening is the important yeah who's listening, who's listening? yeah and, and it, it's so amazing on um having even some other former ministers saying tune in mm-hmm. they tune in they yeah, just yeah. feel worth uh, watching so mm-hmm. so debbie so um Let's talk about uh about you and uh, your your mom and, and what what if uh, what have you guys gone through in life and um I guess we'll talk about your mom first and yeah um my mom I'm I'm first generation Canadian my mom was born in Mexico as was my father um my mom um had me at eighteen um you know she didn't have the as all first generation Canadians immigrants to Canada. Like they, um, they have a whole different experience than what we have when we're born here. Um, adjusting, learning English, like it's, English is not an easy language to learn. And um, anyway, so she, at 18, she had me, um, a year later, she had a stroke. Um, when she was younger in Mexico, she had smallpox. Um, they don't have vaccines. Um, uh, so that weakened her heart and having me um, weakened it further and then she had a stroke so her life really didn't start um, her adulthood was kind of you know completely thrown off track right before it even started you know with having a child and then being in she was in a coma for almost two years so I was um, I think I was like two and a half when she came out of her coma and um yeah so we she joked that we used to we learned to walk and talk together so we would learn the stairs together and go up the stairs on our bums and come down the stairs on our bums and we read kid books together and you know it was um it was a different way to grow up but we had positive experiences in there too such as those things um now she as a result of her stroke and um uh the smallpox and all these other things she ended up with epilepsy so um we had a nurse come in like once or twice a week when i was young um about five and she because we couldn't have around the clock care because there wasn't anything right Mm. so it was just me and my mom and i'm five so she made a very colorful list beside the phone and I can visually remember it. It's a core memory for me. I remember all the bright colors on what to do when my mom's having a seizure and how to use the phone. And I remember her picking up the phone and talking to me. And, and um, anyway, so the first time I called 911, I was around five and a half when my mom had a seizure. So it was, it was a lot. That's a lot of pressure for, that's a lot of pressure for, that is a lot. Yes. For someone who's five. Right. Mm -hmm. But I learned very carefully or very quickly, sorry, on how to, um, how to help my mom when she's having a seizure, you know, rolling her on her side, 
uh, putting pillows behind her, um, making sure that there's nothing in her mouth, um, but still being very careful not to put my fingers in her mouth because she would bite down. Uh -huh. um, so that's a lot of pressure for being little. It's a lot of pressure for anyone. Um, but I grew up with it. And, you know, again, we grew up together and um, her experience going on disability was, um, I'd say traumatic at best. Um, they, she was on welfare for the longest time and she was trying to apply for ODSP because it was, it gave her an increase, right? Living on welfare with a child, I think we received like $700 a month, which is nothing, right? Yeah. And then, so she eventually got on ODSP. It was like a year of having to fight that she was disabled, right? She's, it's just, they don't want to make it easy for you. At least they didn't. I can't speak to today's experience, but um, I, I don't think much has changed is what I've heard, what I've heard, but for her, her you want to make it easy for her and having stress put on someone who's already under so much stress, um, being poor is stressful, like having to manage every single penny you have along with having a child and along with trying to like still live, right? Like she couldn't work and she would have given anything to be able to work, but nobody would hire her because she was disabled, right? Um, I remember her even volunteering to go in and just to have that experience, you know, saying, hey, I'm disabled, but I can, I'm still useful, uh -huh. right? But nobody would give her that opportunity. Um, Anyway, so we, we ended up on ODSP. We moved to a small town because the rent was cheaper. Um, the unfortunate reality of living in a small town is even though everything's a little bit cheaper, the people are also a little more backward, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is small town Canada. Like we, we idolize it and we think about how great it would be to live in a small town. But the reality is, is that everybody in that small town has lived there for a very long time. And anyone that's different, um, being, you know, having German as her first language, um, not having the best grasp on English, having a disability, being poor, like all those things combined, she did not have an easy go. And, you know, she tried her best, right? Uh -huh. um, but that's the reality of being poor and, and living in that small town. Um, there was only, there was no accessible transit, like whatsoever. We had to walk everywhere we went. Um, and she had a heart condition, right? So mm -hmm. it was even worse for her, um, having to walk everywhere and then having to carry groceries home. Cause there was the, the, the only taxi in that town ran on Tuesday afternoons. Mm -hmm. So oh, wow. if you, if you wanted to get anywhere, you had that taxi and like you had to pre-book the taxi or you had to have a friend with a car or you know, and there's nothing, um, everything in that town was very pricey or, you know, I shouldn't say pricey, I should say not affordable for someone who's on a limited income, oh. right? Um, school supplies, groceries, everything was like marked up because they could. And, I, you know, I, I always say, you know, the, the thing about um, social assistance here in BC and across all of Canada, like in for you in Ontario too, um, is that it's the systemic discrimination, right? It's like, it's baked into the system. It's, mm -hmm. it's systemic, it's baked in and everybody is othered, right? Um, I, yeah. I always talk about the term othered and, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like, it's kind of like putting everybody in the same shit pile saying like, okay, you deserve this pile here. Like 
this is the shit pile here. This is this is you <laughs> over here, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and it's just like it's not it's not proper, right? I mean, uh, Brett and I have talked before that um, here in BC they used to have a a separate uh, disability ministry. Uh, and when was that? In the early nineties? Um, uh, it was actually early. late. Uh, it was actually late nineties. Uh, it was oh, only oh, for, okay. for maybe two years. Uh, yeah, I, I can't. Years, I couldn't remember. Yeah. Two three years. Uh, and yeah. uh, they had a ministry just for people with disabilities, and they had AKA welfare or income assistance, mm-hmm. as you know what they used to call it as welfare. And then, uh, I mean, nothing's changed. Like the mm-hmm. policies are still the same because what yeah. they've done now is they've taken all the office away. And they amalgamized it all into one with the same policy. And then see, yeah. uh, the rates are still, I, I still say that the rates are still in the 1970s, 1980s uh, rates because the buying power is not there. And, and that's what it, um, it feels like, uh, you know, and hearing, hearing what you've gone through with your mom uh, growing up, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I can relate in, in a few things on what you mentioned, um, how hard it was. Um, you know, growing up in, in a small town, um, mm-hmm. uh, I grew up, uh, my mom raised my brother and me, um, you know, on her own. Um, and as a person with a disability, uh, she had to go to specialists to figure out, okay, well, what's going on with them? Uh, can mm-hmm. I can't really work with this. Uh, and she did, she did wonderful. I, she was such an amazing, she was such an amazing lady. Uh, she, she would take her, she would literally take, uh, you know, her, her socks off and giving to people like i mean she would give give things away just just because she put herself out there uh and mm-hmm. um as a single she was as a single mother she really felt struggled a lot financially she was out working uh at like multiple jobs and uh you know then she uh later in life um she uh, she developed some illnesses um she developed uh, Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's. Uh, and I didn't, at, at, at first, uh, Debbie, uh, you know, I didn't understand what was going on. Like, uh, you know, I, my brother had moved out. Um, she mm-hmm. was then a senior and uh, she was on a, um, a senior's uh, program where she got to live in, still live in her own home. She was renting at the time. So she was renting to a, a landlord. And I used to call him uncle, uncle, because that's all I knew him as when I was a little toddler. And so he I had struck a deal saying, I'm not going to raise the rent as long as you just do fix up. You get a handyman in or a lady in or whoever it is to fix things or fix it yourself. My mom used to fix things all <laughs> so many times. And she'd be cursing away. Darn it. Oh, damn it. I can't. <laughs> you know, but she'd be, you know, she couldn't figure it out. She'd get someone that she would know in to fix things. So her rent stayed the same. So it says she, as we grew up, as I grew up, uh, you know, living with her, my brother eventually moved out. So I was just me and my mom there because she had a senior supplement and only one based on household income, only enough for two people could be there. So she had to make a choice, either me or my brother. It was determined that that I had to stay because um, my brother was more independent, like where Mm -hmm. he could actually, he didn't have. He wasn't diagnosed with a disability uh, per se. Mm-hmm. He had other issues going on, and he still does. But anyway, um, yeah, it was just I stayed there to look after her, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, 
feed the ducks, feed the chickens, cats, dogs. I mean, oh, I ended up picking up eggs I got pecked at. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but you know, but anyway, talking about like that part is uh, so I can kind of relate to the hard times with it. Uh, um, I remember her saying uh, the, uh, you know, these, these uh, tree branches outside, they were swaying like they were coming out, but we had a bad windstorm. And I thought, well, like, what's going on? And that thought isolated, right? It was one of those one-off. Okay. I went outside and looked around. I didn't see anything. Like, what's going on? So I made an appointment to see the doctor. I said, well, uh, why don't we why don't we go and see the doctor? Right? So when and they diagnosed her with that. Um, emotionally, I didn't know how to deal with it at first until we sat down and uh, I learned that it was it's it's okay, Brent. Like it's part of life. Unfortunately, like um and sometimes like it's it's hard to work with and uh so as, as time went on uh we had to uh i had to move uh and we put her into a home into a senior's home um mm-hmm. she had moved into a, to another place first because the owner had sold the house uh, he had mm-hmm. passed away his daughters took over the home they had sold the home and they said that somebody else was going to be moving in. They didn't move in. It was a family member. But anyway, that's a renovation river, you know, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, unfortunately, just don't, late, just don't call it that. No, no. It, <laughs> you know, but it was it was an um, arbitrary situation. Uh, she she lost uh, because it was saying, that, uh, you know, that somebody else would move moving in. Basically, one of the family members never happened. So a mm-hmm. senior's home and uh, so life went on and I, I learned to cope and uh, with um, learning, like learning from others, like learning what she had gone through too, with the diagnosis of two things like Parkinson's plus Alzheimer's. Um, and it was, it was very uh, emotional, traumatic. So that's where my advocacy got, went forward. I, I learned that I thought, okay, like, I don't know when or what. And I thought I'm going to have to do something to help listen to people what they're going through and i've heard mm-hmm. so many stories and listening to your story it really brought back a lot of memories mm-hmm. so so with with what what you're going through now like what's um for uh, for yourself like how how are things now with for you um well yeah my mom passed away in 2020 um in september um she again like your mom she you know, once you have a brain disease um, or brain injury and something so traumatic and having multiple strokes, um, your cognitive abilities lessen and um, diminish, I should say, and hers diminished and um, quite rapidly, actually. And we did put her in um, a nursing home. I I don't want to say luckily because it was horrible, but I don't know. I always want to phrase things in a positive manner. So I'm going to say luckily, but bear with me. In 2014, um, was it 2014? No, 2004. I think it was. Yeah, 2004. She was hit by a car. Um, Yeah, she, we didn't think she was going to make it through it, but my mom was like stubborn and then beyond stubborn. Like she wasn't giving up for anything, right? yeah she's just you know they they all the doctors knew her because of her previous illnesses so when she came in um broken like they her whole body was broken she was hit by an suv going well above the speed limit and she was just crossing the street with her walker um crossing the street with her walker getting to the bus stop which was across the street from her apartment um there were no cross and no safety crossing lights no nothing she didn't see the car because it was raining and she had her hood on 
Mm. But the car saw her. Anyway, I digress. I'm, I'm going a little bit off topic, but because okay. of that car accident and because of um, her increased um, mobility issues and um, we decided to put her in the home. But why I say fortunately is because if she hadn't been in the car accident and her faculties had diminished um, as quickly as they had, um, she would have been in a public nursing home, mm. um, a government run nursing home. But because of the accident, um, we always say, my family always says, look for the silver lining. Um, so the silver lining with this is that she got to be put up in a very swanky um, nursing home, like marble floors, private nurses. She got, um, she got treated like a princess. And oh. um, for the first time in her life, right? Like there was nice. unlimited everything, unlimited food. She didn't have to worry about her bills. She just got to like exist as like normal people, I guess. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was so fancy. I remember going for brunch and, you know, like they had prime rib and Yorkshire puddings and like all these things, oh, like, yeah. you know, growing up, you know, we... <laughs> Like it sounds horrible, but we scraped the mold off bread and cheese and stuff just because. Yeah, that's what my mom did. No oh, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Cut off the ends in pieces. Yeah. yeah, you know what? It's fine. Just eat it. Just to yeah. like, just to have something to eat, right? Like it was, and there were days where, you know, and having an injury, having a heart injury, and especially now because I have my own, I can understand how exhausting it is. Like it's being disabled it it takes like it's a full-time job I always say that like it's managing your health and doctors and medications and you know all of these things that's a full-time job and then having a child on top of that that's another full-time job and then mm -hmm. managing your finances with like peanuts and you're trying to spread those peanuts as far as you can get them and like worrying about everything all at the same time like that's that's too much stress for one person. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Uh, that stress, it was felt by myself. Um, and, you know, like I having an injury, having a disability now myself, I always think of how I wish I would have been handled when I was young. So it gave me the, I guess, that perspective on how to, how to help my children understand what I'm going through, you know, mm -hmm. because I've been there. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that's it. it it's, um, it's, you know, your lived experience and passing it on to, to others on maybe ways of coping with, mm -hmm. um, with different scenarios, right? And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and especially when you mentioned about um, scraping by to, to make ends meet, like, and I, re I remember, Debbie, I remember, my gosh, my mom would be getting a knife and cutting off the end pieces of bread and it was mold. Mm -hmm. And then, and then making a sandwich and throwing there. And then she's like, oh, darn it all. And she'd get the cheese out there. And, yeah, you know, some people say, oh, God, yeah. I'll eat that. I remember cheese and then like, some peanut butter and cheese, like peanut butter and cheese sandwich. But yeah, cutting just, cheese off and, and like scraping the mold off there. And, yeah. You know, trying to get in well, there. You, and, you're just trying to, like, get by, right? And, huh. um, you know, the things that you do to survive, right? Um, yeah. When I say, when I say things like, you know, my, some of my friends, you know, they didn't have the same existence that I had or same experiences that I had. And, you know, going to the movies was a regular thing. Having cable TV was a thing, right? Like, yeah. and they go back and they make references to these movies that I've never seen mm -hmm. because I couldn't afford to go to the movie theater, right? Like that's, 
I couldn't afford to do anything. I I didn't have those um, abilities, I guess. Like we couldn't afford to spend $20 for me to go to the fair or, you know, get a ticket and go and see all these things. So the references and they're like, well, how do you not see that movie? Or how did you, how did you grow up not seeing that movie? And I'm like, well, that was my life, right? Like yeah. there's poor and then there's poverty. Poverty yeah. is, yeah. It's, it's a whole different world. You know, being yeah. poor, you know, managing paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. I get that. I've, I've experienced that. Poverty is a whole different beast. And there's only so many people in this country that have experienced poverty. Um, and most of those have disabilities. And mm-hmm. it's, um, that's why I'm so hopeful that this benefit, the Canadian disability benefit is going to be able to like, you know, help someone take a cab to the grocery store, have someone be able to like, you know, I'm exhausted today. I'm going to treat myself to a pizza, you know, like just like what everybody else gets to experience on a daily basis, just once, you know, like I just feel I, I, um, I often drive to the Walmart in my neighborhood um, and I see moms um, with their walkers and I see kids sitting on the walkers or, you know, on their motor, uh, electric motor vehicles, like the little scooters and like my heart breaks for them. But I understand what they're learning from living that way. You know, you're becoming a closer family. Um, You're going to have a lot of troubles, but I I get it. And people look down on that, like, oh, why can't she get a job? You know, like we've all heard it. I had someone over the other day and they're like, I was talking about the Canadian disability benefit and how excited I was and how many lives this is going to change potentially and and you know like how it's just going to lift a whole lot of people out of this pile of crap uh, right yeah. and I, I was so excited about it and he said to me must be nice it must be nice to be disabled and be, to be able to have that free money yeah it, it that's crazy. It, it, right? it's, like, it's yeah. the mindset though debbie and that's kind of what people can't really relate to because if they haven't lived that experience, they they don't know. They just think, Oh, uh, well, you know, get a job, just, you know, just be the solution of all, all, is it? I mean, what what I was going to say, Brent is uh, another thing that people don't get is, is just the amount of effort it it takes uh, to be, be, to cope with a disabled body. Like, you know, I've, I've been disabled my whole life and, uh, and I, I worked for over 20 years as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a lot of, it's a lot of mileage. Like I, I always tell people like, you know, for most of my life I was on crutches, you know, and, and so I didn't just have two legs. I had four. Right. So I'm mm-hmm. expending like twice the energy that an, an able body person is. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, and another thing I always say too is, um, when you're disabled it's like you know how they say that um that uh what is it uh yeah one one dog year is equivalent to eight uh, is equivalent to seven or eight human years so i I always say that uh (laughs) having a disability is like living in dog years right because or like working so like one year of working for me is like almost like a dog year like seven years Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's yeah. way more, it's way more effort for me to work. And I'm, I'm, I, I used a lot more mileage and I, I, you know, 
And I had to really look after myself and really invest in that. And it's it's expensive, right? And it, it is. It is really. That's what people don't you know, understand. And you know, and that's uh, you know, I mean, for like for myself, like I uh, I had worked for many years. I mean, I had worked from like when I was like fifteen years old. I actually fourteen, really. <laughs> um, you know, and I done a paper route, and I wanted to start working then when I was twelve doing a paper route, but they wouldn't let me do it. Debbie, they they wouldn't know. No, the newspaper company said no. You have to wait till a certain year to to uh, be able to do that. But mm -hmm. you know, I got out there and you know I did what I had to do. Like my mom would say, "Well, if you want to bike, friend, you're going to have to go out and actually make your money for it. You're going to have to go out and do this. Uh, go and mow a neighbor's lawn if you need to." Well, I, I couldn't. I mean, my allergy would just go. <laughs> I would have to take allergy medicine, histamine, mm -hmm. and oh my gosh, and it would. I'd be a wreck when I got home. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, but I I kept pushing myself, pushing myself, and as years went on going through high school and some of my my uh high school pupils would be you know they'd be getting these jobs and oh brand go and get why don't you do this i i couldn't like i you know mm -hmm. i i said well unfortunately I, i'm not able to do that like that kind of work anyway as as long story short so as time went on i got into grade 12 well there was a new mcdonald's open oh everyone's getting these jobs in mcdonald's so brand you should apply my teacher said brand apply i go I don't know what I can do there. Well, they'll figure something out for you to do. They'll figure out. I said, I can't do cashier stuff because the font was too tiny. It was too tiny. Mm -hmm. But I said, but you know what? My mind says, yeah, Brent, you can do this. Yeah, sure. They'll, they'll work with you. So I applied. And guess what? They turned me down. They said, and their excuse at the time, I fought it. I, I was I was emotionally uh, really upset that everyone mm -hmm. else in my class got the job. Brand new store. I saw it getting built. And they wouldn't give it to me because they said, oh, because your yeah, because your disability is going to get in the way, you know, and uh, the company doesn't want to deal with it. That's what they said. The company doesn't want to deal with it. You'd be too slow, and we want people to be fast, and we don't have time to deal with with somebody who's too slow. Not they're saying not saying that you won't you don't get it. Is okay. that we don't have time to train you? And I said, but I want to be trained. I want to learn. I want to be able to to do that. Yeah. So I fought with it and they finally, I guess they, uh, they caved, but they put me into a different store doing cleaning. Oh, learning grill. I mean, fine, but I wasn't happy, but I still wasn't fast. Like I was, because I, I hand coordination. Um, mm -hmm. I went through the process. I learned everything as time went on, which is great. I mean, I, and I'm not going to promote McDonald's and saying, Hey, they're the best employer. One thing right. I am going to say though, is to everyone is, it uh, doesn't matter what company it is. If the person is able to do something, like please work with them, work with mm -hmm. that individual, understand maybe can we work, uh, do things a little bit differently to, uh, when I say not that person is different, but the company to do something differently of saying, how can we make things more adaptive? I mm -hmm. forced a company that I worked for, uh, and I'm not going to say which one, but um, I forced a company that to put adaptive technology in there they said it was going to cost them ten thousand dollars to do it. We said, "Well, then do it. This, it's a business mm -hmm. write-off. You can write it off on your mm -hmm. business taxes." And so they put all these monitors up. I was there making making stuff and ripping at the orders. And some of the employees actually loved it because it actually made the font way bigger. Right. It kind of, it kind of distorted things a little, Debbie, too, because the orders would be kind of uh, almost going off the screen, but they adjusted it so that it would be just enough for everybody who would be standing way back in the room, who had perfect vision, they could still see it from way back and doing other work. So they were able to 
say, hey, there's an order coming up. Well, let's make some more preparation stuff. So it actually mm -hmm. worked well with that technology. But as time went on, um, it was time for at that time, I felt I needed to go back to college. I needed to do something different. Um, academically, I, I learned, hey, what would I be good at doing? Like the government said, hey, you know what? We're just going to put you through a reassessment uh, academically to see where you're at, what your your uh, attributes are, Brent. I, mm -hmm. know, well, I, know, I know me. So I had did videography. Yeah, well, let's, let's see if you know who you are because we don't know who mm -hmm. you are, but let's learn. Let's learn from each other. And I right. learned that, hey, uh, communications um, of working with people. And so I approached yeah. Neil. I, and then fast forward, I approached Neil back in uh, December. And then Neil and I kind of stayed in contact here and there over that was, time. That was December I, of 2019. Yeah, yeah, but I reached out with them to uh, December of 2021. And I said, hey, Neil, I, I got an idea here. And it's well, oh, was that 21? Yeah, yeah, oh, it was December yeah. 2021. And, okay. and you're like, well, I don't know. I mean, I oh, guess yeah. we could try. And, and Neil will tell you the story on that. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, like I'd never really done anything like that, but I was like, sure, <laughs> you know, let's, let's give it a go. So let's just so we, wing it. Yeah. So we've been winging mm -hmm. it ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're winging it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I learned about um, over time about uh, videography, about interviewing myself, talking through a camera. And we learned that mm -hmm. through college, too. And mm -hmm. over time about advocacy, dealing with uh, social media, like a media, like a news news outlets being have always cameras stuck in my face and microphones right here. And about building up self-confidence and, and public speaking and just being yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a, um, a person who... Uh, he was a, um, a federation of labor and he was a pretty harsh guy uh, dealing, but I just saw him on news hour just recently in British Columbia. He's actually uh, in um, uh, for the uh, health authority. Now he's mm -hmm. the CEO up there. There's some the news. I'm like, Oh yeah, I know who he is. Well, he, he taught me a lot. And, you know, if he ever watches this uh, podcast, you know, Jim, I, I, I just want to say thank you. Like, thank you, Jim, for what you've done for me about building mm -hmm. my self-confidence up because he taught me, yeah, Debbie, Brent, just be yourself. If somebody mm -hmm. doesn't want to deal with you, they don't want to hear it, then they, that's their problem, not your problem. And stand right. up what you believe in. And uh, I've always kept going forward. My mom used to try to shut me down, Debbie, so many times. <laughs> Brent, you can't fight the system. You can't change the system. And I go, sure I can. No, yeah. you can't do that. And I said, so her and I used to get in these arguments <laughs> but yeah, I'll tell you something that um, yeah, some people I've mentioned now on my shows before. I used to have two moms, Debbie. So I was adopted. I and I, I found that out when I was just a I was just a little child. Well, I technically I didn't know until I was twelve years old. But I used to see this lady come in, and I thought it'd be like my my grandma, real grandma. But I saw mm -hmm. my mom come in. And then the lady would phone me and she'd say, oh, hi. She said, hi, is, uh, um, is this Brent? And I, I'd speak to her. And I would hear the same voice. Like, it would almost, like, sound like the same voice at home. But it was her voice. And I was like, okay, well, I said my mom. I said, who is this lady? Like, who is this lady? Talking to me and wanted to keep talking to me. She goes, oh, it's your aunt. She's just interested in knowing what you're doing. As time went on, I actually realized that... Um, like there was something more to the story and uh, so yeah they would all come in and so i found out that they wanted to make sure i was mature enough to handle it and scream and realized that it was actually my my biological mother 
So I actually got to know my biological mother, and I obviously knew who she was since I was a child. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. my mother, my biological mother, had to give me up at birth because she was going through some issues in her life at the time, and she couldn't, um, she couldn't have me. But right. my my mom, who I always thought is my mom, and I always till till the day before she passed away, I was still had called her mom. And my biological mm-hmm. mother was my biological mother, but she used to say, well, why don't you ask your mother if it's okay to go visit mom? And so it was a little bit of conflict as I grew up and I, I started feeling yeah. about that because I said, well, my mom is my mom. I said, I know. And I, her and I then had a really good bond because I would actually go right. visit, I'd visit her. And I let her know over time that how I felt. And I said, I know you're my mother. And, but my mom had brought me up. So, and I right. said, I know it must be uncomfortable for you. And then she was fine with it. Like she says, Brent, just yeah. call me how you want. Call me my mother or mom. So right. I, I eventually started calling her mom. I said, yeah, mom. I said, but I got two moms. She goes, there you go, Brent. So <laughs> what it was, I got to visit with her lots. And, uh, mm-hmm. and over time, I had a bond between both of them. My, mm-hmm. my, my mom passed away in 2006. My mother, uh, who was my biological mother, passed away in 2015. Uh, Yeah, like, so it was like, and so I would pull my mother up and I'd say, well, you know, I I sure miss my mom. And she's, Brent, I know, I know it's hard. And next thing you know, I get a a phone call saying that she, your mother had, my aunt said she had gone to a coma. But here, Mm -hmm. here's the ironic part is that, I think, um, you know, and I always think there is someone, there is someone up there and I don't know, I'm not going to get all religious, but I always think there's, there was things that meant to be for a reason. Mm-hmm. Now, my, my, my uh, biological mother passed away the same, obviously a different year, but the same, she went into a coma, but she passed away on the same day. She went into a coma a day before my mom had passed away, but she mm-hmm. died on the same day that my mom died. That's crazy. What a I know, coincidence. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, wow, like it was it actually kind of really freaked me out, really, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, um, and, you know, uh, you know my, my, uh, my son is uh, Jewish because my first wife, uh, my first wife uh, was a Jew, eh? Um, and, uh, and the, there's a set, uh, the, the Jews believe that there's no coincidence with uh with god or i mean if you said you didn't want to get religious but but their big thing yeah. is there's there's no there's no coincidence with god so yeah, yeah. The, re- the, the reason why i say i don't like get you know religious is that <laughs> hey, somebody's watching it i don't want to offend yeah. anybody yeah but, but you know what I, I understood like after i talked to uh i had talked to um my my actually family doctor at the time like i would sit down and um and they told me everything's gonna be fine, Brent. Like, unfortunately, it's just, it's life. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. sometimes these things there are sometimes there is a, that coincidence. But I think things happen for reasons. On and my doctor believed the same thing how I looked at it. Too. Mm-hmm. it, was, it was like, like I think it was that um, it was something that's like, giving you a message saying, you know, they're both together. They're both together. Yeah. Hey, you know, like this make this a celebration of life of saying, uh, cherish all the awesome memories. I mean. My mom and I used to have great uh, fun times. Like she was active, very active. I mean, my mm-hmm. gosh, if she was active until she was 80 or 79 years old. 
80 years old. She was wow, still riding that's a long bike. life. She was still riding her bike when she was 80. She passed Good away later that year after we had put her into a home. She mm-hmm. had, but yeah, I mean, amazing, eh? She'd be pedaling yeah. away to the grocery store because she didn't drive. So she'd be putting a big basket on, loading all these groceries up and yeah, wrap yeah. trap back. Oh, make yeah. it work, right? Yeah, yeah. You gotta um, do you gotta do in small communities. Uh, and uh, yeah. I've just learned over time in life that um never to take things for granted, just to kind of just go with the flow in life and mm-hmm. um be there for people to talk to. Um and for whoever it is, just be there uh and and just to talk about your your life of what you're going through and then maybe keep up other ideas or saying, Hey, I I'm going through that. Like this is mm-hmm. great that like, we have this open communication and yeah, then that's what life's all about. And about the C twenty two though, I kind of dive mm-hmm. a little bit into that uh, so that people uh, that are watching uh, kind of get a better understanding. Of, I'm going to be having um, someone coming up in the very uh, actually very near future, which will be tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty new. That's pretty. Yeah, it's gonna, yeah, it's going to be actually talking about C twenty two. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, you, you'll probably want to tune into that one, Debbie, too. Yeah, I will. Definitely. Yeah, Cheryl Hardcastle. Cheryl Hardcastle. She's going to yeah. be coming on talking about it. So Cheryl, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're going to take all her words away because I don't even know what she's going to talk about. Well, that's exciting. You know, yeah. I, um, Twitter says, and, you know, Twitter says that the governor general usually signs uh, bills on Fridays. So, you know, the... I, I see so many tweets. Oh, maybe it's going to be reach royal ascent tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow is like the beginning of the countdown because we know after she, the government has 365 days from the day it receives royal ascent to have the bill go into force. So um, we're all looking for the day that the countdown can begin to know that our we're going to have something come to help us, right? And like that's so exciting. Um, and you know, Twitter is a—it's a funny place. It's a—it's a place of great positivity and a great—a place of great negativity. Um, Brett knows that, right, Brett? Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, like people, and I understand that we're all suffering. The disabled community is suffering. We're suffering more than what I want to call ables uh, or norms. Um, no offense to anyone, but uh, I feel like we're suffering more than what they can see. Um, we're, we're the band of we're the bands of misfit toys right we're the misfit yeah. toys um, <laughs> um just going back to what you were saying about finding a job um 2020 they were you know we had the election come up the federal election and um they were doing um door-to-door registrations or um not registrations voting registration I, i'm gonna call it i can't remember the exact word um and i thought you know maybe that's something i could do um, you know, get my sons with me, you know, we can walk, you, there's no timeline, I can just take my time, walk door to door in like the small town near my house and uh, renumerate, renumeration, that's what it's called. Um, and, you know, maybe that's something I could do. So I applied. Um, I talked to them, I gave them my references, you know, all of uh, personal references, work references that I had from so long ago, and never heard back. Yeah. You know, I said, this is how I would approach the job. Um, he said, that's very inventive. You know, I could see that working really well for you and never called me back. And that's the federal government. And they're supposed to be on our side, right? Like they're supposed to be saying, hey, okay, you have a disability. Let me help you help us, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's 
yeah. the whole premise of it. So it was very disillusioning for me to have this government who's supposed to have my back, right? Um, and just to like kind of like let me fall off the rails. And I called so many times, I just gave up. You know, like I'm just okay, whatever. You know what? I get the hint. I would have liked to have the extra whatever it would have been like $15 an hour, whatever for the part-time, whatever I thought, you know, I could make it work. I'm just doing, you know, door-to-door stuff, but whatever, it didn't work out for me. And uh, it was really sad. Um, that's and the kind of, with, yeah, hmm? and that's the thing with the, uh, with the new Bill C-22 that's um, mm -hmm. now being, uh, well, it will be going through Royal Ascent. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, this week uh that's what i'm, I'm do so going forward with it it's uh you know the financial help that it should be in people's bank accounts really quickly but mm -hmm. now they have up to a year to basically make that happen or it could yeah. be more like i mean the framework um and there's been a lot of a uh, call for uh a, a disability emergency response benefit mm -hmm. nothing was actually promised like literally promised about it they were promised mm -hmm. to get the the bill out but i the there was uh you know a lot of people say well brent hey they, they didn't actually promise the disability emergency response mm -hmm. benefit no they didn't but it no. would have been the, still the right thing to do is while making been. people wait when you make people wait for uh, yeah. over a thousand yeah. days i mean to get that uh, to get that going till they finally actually uh agreed in the senate after getting handed back to the senate where it could have easily been handled right in the House. Uh, the Senate had already uh, all agreed with all the amendments, all the mm -hmm. ones that were actually there, top lawyers, insurance companies, they all said, okay, you know what, let's just let's accept it. And then it gets to the House of Commons. Mm -hmm. the, the minister was nowhere to be seen. Then she comes in and then gives an announcement. Uh, and it was supposed to be on the Tuesday. Everyone waited in anticipation. It's going to be today. Right, it's that's be what they said. Then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I still I logged in. I was waiting. Nothing. Yeah, I looked back at the audio clip on that too. And thinking, yeah, and coming up next week, mm -hmm. it'll be on this and this and and Bill C twenty two will be on Tuesday. I'm going, okay. So I I think I was uh, yeah, I think I was talking to you, Neil. I was like, okay, who do we have scheduled in? Okay, uh good. I can maybe I can watch this live in between the guests. And I'm waiting. Nope, no, no, no not today. Oh no, tomorrow, Wednesday. So the minister comes in and gives a speech. And unfortunately, turns down that one amendment. Oh, we need to send it back to Senate. Another delay, right? After people waiting over a thousand, almost almost a thousand days at that time. I think it was nine hundred ninety-seven mm -hmm. days. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so at that time, I'm thinking, come on, like pass an emergency benefit then, if you want to think people will keep waiting. And even going forward at this point in time, just please put an emergency uh, benefit out there. Like you did CERB, that was, I mean, CERB was put out there within one day, they they uh, they passed it and it was out within a week. They had all this money out, $2,000 to people and, and saying, well, we do I qualify, qualify? right? Well, if people say, well, do I qualify? Don't worry about it, we'll figure it out later. We'll just get this yeah. money out there. Yeah. Disabilities, well, yeah, uh, I guess, you know. We you got nothing. Yeah, you got three hundred dollars if you had the uh, disability tax credit. You had got no, was it six or three? Can't remember. It was in two thousand and twenty in September. Uh, six hundred dollars one time. Six hundred dollars, but you had to have the disability tax credit. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There was that criteria. Yeah. If you didn't have it, you got nothing. But yeah. so now, but now I mean, there's. I, 
I didn't apply good. for Serb. I didn't apply for Serb because I knew it was going to get clawed back. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I remember yeah. talking to uh, one of my former um, neighbors uh, at a building that I was living in, um, mm -hmm. and he applied for it. And I said, Oh, to apply for it, Brent. I go, No, 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 no. I'm not applying for that. It's going to no. get taken away. Something told me. And I go, No, no. I, I applied for it. I go, You applied for it. He goes, Yeah, I got $2,000. I go, Well, you know, they're going to take that off you, right? You, mm -hmm. if they, and if they don't, they're going to expect you to pay back. No, no. The federal government told me I don't have to pay back. You're going to have to pay that back, bud. Well, because they, they, they listed the rules on if you have this, this, and this, and this, and this, then you can apply. If you don't have any of one of those things, like being employed or being this or having this, and none of those things applied to me, so I couldn't apply. And I knew if I did apply, it would be fraudulent and yeah. um, because I'm saying I'm doing things that I'm not actually doing, then they're mm -hmm. just going to come at me and take that money away. But I also don't want to live my life like that. Right. Like I don't want to scam the system. I no, don't want to, no. I don't want to, I, I don't want to give them a reason to have anything negative to say about disabled people. Like I don't want right. to be part of that. So I always try to like govern myself with that kind of integrity, you know, yeah. um, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to take anything that doesn't necessarily belong to me. You know. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're technically eligible for that. You should be technically eligible for based on, on the criteria, like you know what right. you call. Because some people they would. I mean, oh my gosh, I they would see. they would cheat, right? And like, yeah. and then and then everybody's passed with that same that yeah. same glove, and I don't personally want to have. I don't want to feel like I've had anything to do with that kind of negative viewpoint. I don't know yeah. if that makes well, sense. It, but it, yeah. it's, it's funny you say that though, because I've always been exactly the same way. Like uh, mm -hmm. yeah. for, for me, like autonomy is huge, right? right? I don't, I don't want to ever feel like I'm beholden to the government for anything. Like, right. Exactly. Like, right. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know if you, I don't know if you know my story, uh, Debbie, but uh, like for the last 10 years, the provincial mm -hmm. government here has been clawing back my survivor's pension. And so it's been about 10 years and, and I've run the numbers. And so in about 10 years, the provincial government has clawed back like $65,000 from me, right? That That's supposed to be my pension money. And they've clawed it back. Show me and, the money. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, but still like, you know, I'm on, I'm on medical, uh, you know, I I can uh, submit medical things too, right? On, right? on disability, but I never do because it's just a, like a pride thing. Like, like, like we're saying, like I don't want to feel beholden. It's like, yeah. you know, you bastards are, are taking away my uh, pension, but I don't want to be beholden to you guys. So I'm gonna be stubborn and try to pay for everything myself, right? Because it's, no, like, it's like screw yeah. you, I, I'll yeah. do it all myself, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I get yeah. I get what you're saying, and um, I I'm not the same with regards to that. Like I on my taxes because I have the disability tax credit. Yeah. And um, the government knows I'm disabled. Um, yeah. and just a just a sidebar to anyone who's watching who has a disability, and if you haven't applied for the disability tax credit, it used to be very convoluted. Um, it used to be very time consuming and stress inducing and nobody wants that stress, but do it. Mm -hmm. uh, the system has been streamlined. Now you fill out the form. It's like a two minute form. And then you have an email to send to your doctor. The doctor fills out their part and they email it off to the government. And the processing time is supposed to be within like three to, or sorry, six to eight weeks. It used to be months. Now it's weeks. So I, I strongly 
suggest everyone apply for it, not just because of the tax credit, like a lot of people on disability, like my mom at the time when I applied for her, it took uh, like everything and she's like notably disabled. Um, and I still got it back for her, but she was able to transfer the credit to me because I'm her caretaker. Mm -hmm. And right. because right. I was working, we received funds back from the government for five years in um, past income taxes yeah. that I had retroactive, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, and not only that, even if you don't have someone you can transfer the credit to, they have um, what they call a registered disability savings plan. And the government, RDSP, that's correct. Mm -hmm. um, and the government puts money into that annually and, and you I, can cash I it out. At signed up for that as well. Yeah. 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 Take yeah. that money. You know what? Mm -hmm. The government, you know, we've, we've all been struggling. Um, take the money, do it, you know, mm -hmm. cash it out when you're 60 and help yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Help yourself with whatever it is that you've been needing. Um, yeah. I have, I have no problem putting in things like you. I understand where you're coming from though, Neil. I understand the pride yeah. and like, just, the, just, just it, the medical, just the medical side of things. Like actually, yeah. uh, just as a sidebar, like mm -hmm. I'm getting a, a new uh, wheelchair, like, uh, mm -hmm. because I broke my hip uh, back in January. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to be on crutches full-time but I broke my hip uh in early January so or I guess it was late January so mm -hmm. as as a backup to my scooter I've decided that I'm going to get a uh, a manual chair and uh, so it's actually going to be the first big ticket item that I'm getting the Ooh. government to, to yeah. fund but what's nice. funny what's funny about it though is they still mm -hmm. said well because it's uh because it's a secondary uh mobility device because they they know they knew i had a uh a scooter even though i was the one that paid for a hundred percent of it they they knew i had a because i had to say i have a, i have a scooter mm -hmm. and right. they said well because you have a scooter and this is a secondary device we'll only pay for half of it oh. well a, a little bit more than half they're, they're oh gonna they're, they're gonna fund like twenty one hundred dollars of it which is which is a sizable chunk and i still right. have to i still have to put out uh seventeen hundred dollars of it because they said, well, it's just an optional, it's just an optional thing, right? Optional. Which is which is kind of silly because yeah. I, I can't really use my crutches at all anymore. Like I'm I'm on mm -hmm. a walk. I don't know if you can see this. I'm 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 on a walker. Mm -hmm. uh, this is, I'm kind of blurring it out right now, but I'm using a walker around the house now because I, I don't feel I don't feel confident confident on my crutches anymore, not not as uh -huh. stable. And yeah. I just I just wanted to have a a wheelchair, a manual wheelchair as a, as a backup to my scooter that I can throw in a car and uh you know go go places with uh friends and stuff in, in cars and it's kind of sad to me that the government says well you know an added mobility to get in a car and go to church or something with your mother-in-law is considered an optional thing you know oh you know no way yeah. i look at it as say partial and when they say partial it's like you should say the government so is, is it partial on the front of the, of the scooter or is it the back of the scooter partial funding like uh, yeah. part, of, part of the scooter do you get you know which 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 part of my disability is partial you yeah know? right which, which part yeah. of my cerebral palsy is only you're only half got cerebral palsy you don't have a full cerebral palsy you only got half it, well <laughs> it's kind of like what i mentioned in uh in a meeting that i had just recently i i told the story about um about being trying to be reassessed and i tell you the i could hear a pin drop in the meeting that i was in I said, uh, you know, because Dave mentioned about a computer system that was uh, that was last updated by a previous government. They mentioned the minister mentioned in 2002. 
And I went, oh, 2002. Wow, that's over 21 years ago. And I said, wow. And then everyone kind of looked at me because I got, you know, and we were in a big meeting around around table, mm -hmm. right? And so I, I said, well, that that magic number, 2002. Wow, that that year rings a bell. And I go, oh, really? I go, yeah. Yeah, that was the same year when the government, uh, she was going through it. The government of the day was going through about reassessments. And uh, they were going through files. My, mine was one of them that they decided to go and try and pick on and to make see if I was actually still disabled. And my mm -hmm. doctor, my doctor was a great old school doctor. So he really, uh, like I would argue, always argue with him. Come on, doc. Like I need I, some kind of medication for like, I'd be like allergies be so bad. I would get a head cold, like a bad head cold allergies, mm -hmm. everything. And it was just like, like something. And then it would develop into other, like another cold, like infection or, or whatever. And so he'd be, he refused to give me something. So when I, well, the point is that he may be right by the book. And so when he had diagnosed me and carefully mm -hmm. through all the diagnostic testing and everything. Um, and when, when I had come back to him and saying, oh, apparently like the receptionist, hi, Brent, I can imitate uh, what's going on. I'd be so upset. I got a letter in the mail saying, I, I don't know, apparently I need to be reassessed. I don't understand. What does this mean? Well, bring it in. Let me take a look at the uh, document. And of course, the receptionist and I'd come in and nobody else in the office. And she'd look at, this makes no sense. I need you to see the doctor. Oh, well, there was a bus strike at the time. So I had to come by Handy Dart to get all the way out there. So they, oh, I had to come back the next day because the doctor needed time to look over this form. So I had to go back again. And Handy Dart in British Columbia, you need to book in advance. They, you, mm -hmm. they need to know when you need an appointment. There was no buses. So I had to take Right. And all roundabout way, which normally should have only taken maybe 25 minutes to get there. It took me uh, two and a half hours to get there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, we have the we we have the same kind of um, when my mom lived in her apartment, she had uh, the disability transport, like the LTC um, version of it. So they would come and pick her up and then they'd have to go all the way around the city and pick everybody else up. Then yep. they drop her off at her appointment and then yep. she'd have to call and then they'd come back and pick her up and take her up. You know, so a, a, what would be an hour trip for me because I drive, took it, it took her all day. And like, that's another point is being disabled is exhausting, right? Like just trying to like go to appointments like that shouldn't, it shouldn't be this hard. And well, there should you know, be a lot more compassion, you know? Yeah. What happened was, I mean. Compassion so, and respect. Compassion and exactly. respect. Yeah. So I, I knew they were going right? to yeah, yeah. come back in an hour and a half to basically pick mm -hmm. me up. Well, at that day, I, I then knew, realized, oh, okay, well, I have to go back now the next day and see the doctor because he needs time to look over this form. So I said, mm -hmm. well, can you fit me in now? Like, Handy Dart's going to come back in an hour and a half. I'm sorry, Brent, but the doctor needs now time to look over this. He can't just, you know, just look at it and go, oh, okay. So, right. oh my gosh, I had to now kill time. Well, I just, I, there was a McDonald's next door. I just went and sat there. I just sat there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't have any money on me. So I, you know, I, so I, they, they, they had no problem with it. I just grabbed a glass of water. I said, can I get a cup of water? Sure. So mm -hmm. anyway, so back the next day I went, okay, long story yeah. short, I, I went back. The doctor literally lost it. He was already in a cranky mood because he actually was a surgeon working at the hospital too. So he was mm -hmm. on with his own office plus back and forth of the hospital. And I guess he right. had a really tough morning. He had surgeries to do. 
he was a surgeon too. So he had a lot of things on the go. So he was in an irritable mood knowing that he had to get to this form. Mm-hmm. So I get in there and he says, I don't know why you're here. I said, hi, dog. And it was, you know, fine. Brent, you know what? I've known you since you're a little shaver. I mean, you don't even remember that because you, you know, you were so tiny. Wow. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Like, I know who you are. I know what your, your weaknesses, you know, versus pros, cons, everything about you. Right. right? And, um, but you know yourself better than I do in different ways, but I know you physically and I know mm-hmm. everything. And he says, I've already diagnosed you. Why do I need to go through this again? Like what's yeah. changed? I go, I don't know what's changed. And he goes, did, did you all of a sudden have no disabilities, Brent? Did they just magically disappear? I go, yeah. And then Joe and Neil and I always joke about this magically, these magic things that just, you know, take your Yeah. Yeah. But no, like he said, <laughs> did you magically disappear? I go, no. And like, he was uh, madder than mad. I, I, he actually told me to leave the office. He goes, okay, you're going to have to come back. Um, I'll get my, my uh, receptionist to uh, schedule you to come back um, in a couple of days. I need, mm-hmm. I, I need time. So I need to make an important phone call. He goes, actually, you know what? Stay right. in my office. Went to his office in the back, in his own office. And right. I heard yelling and screaming. I never in my life heard the words coming out of a doctor's mouth. Mm-hmm. And I, he closed his door and I'm sitting in, you know, those, they have like little waiting rooms inside, you mm-hmm. know, with all their, all their equipment and his stethoscopes. And, and I'm sitting here, like he was in there for my gosh, like at least 20 minutes. I'm sitting here and the receptionist is up front and I'm looking at these stethoscopes. I'm like, Oh, neat. I wonder what this does. So I'm looking around. Oh, neat. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's cold. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. so I'm just like looking at this, and, you know, boredom, like, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm bored. I'm like, oh, there's mm-hmm. a little bed there. So I'm going, and I was tired because I was up so early. So I actually laid down on their little bed, on the little bed there. I'm like, okay, I'm going to lay down and I'm just going to just take a little cat nap. Mm-hmm. Next thing the doctor comes in, what do you think you're in an operating room or something, Brent? I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. And he goes, no. So he comes in, he goes, you, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with the government. I'm done with this. Like, this is not happening. So yeah, you know what? Don't come in two, in two days. I've actually sent off a letter to the government. He said, a class action lawsuit. I'm like, oh my God. Like he said, yeah, like I'm done with them. So I'm done with the BS. So thank you. Have a great day. <laughs> Literally two days later, two days later, I got uh-huh. a, a two ladies showed up at my door and they had tears in their eyes because, but they were messengers in tears and joy. That they said, here's a letter for you, an envelope, sealed envelope. And it was like saying, you've been, you've been uh, re-put back on the system automatically. Like it backfired on the government. They're trying to save money. And, right. um, and, and so going forward. I, I that, was, that was Gordon Campbell. That was, that was. And I, he did, and he so, did a complete slash and burn of everything. In fact, well, that's, I, that's when I lost my job with the, uh, like I, my, my first job was with the Ministry of, of Environment for four years or so, four and a half years. And then I did two and a half years with the Ministry of Highways. So I was with Ministry of Highways at the time. And uh, yeah, Gordon Campbell came in and he just he just slashed and burned everything and closed a whole bunch of offices. And one of our offices was the one that got turfed. And so oh basically everybody lost their job, right? Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and yeah. you're like, when I when we had our meeting and I didn't want to say, like I, I said to the minister, I think she's saying, thinking, oh, Brent, please don't say, don't say the name. And I did, I guess, kept my mouth. I just said, all I know is 
my doctor said who the who the finance person was, mm-hmm. who the finance minister at the time was, and I left it. And the minister, mm-hmm. when we had a meeting just the other couple of days ago, and uh, just looked at me, probably thinking, please don't say, it. please, please don't say. And go, I mean, going forward, um, I'm just hoping that the um, the government understands that is not okay. Like a person is assessed, designated legally, designated assessed by a physician who mm-hmm. puts you through all these testing in life. No, I mean. They would know. They would know what's going on here because they mm-hmm. can't just up and lie on forms legally. They are not allowed, bound by to they, lie. They on had forms. people. Mm-hmm. They had people that were uh, that were um, amputees that had to yeah. prove that, that had to prove. Oh, is your arm still gone? Is your leg still gone? Oh my God! Right? No. Like yeah. it's just it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. oh, I was yeah. in a. I was in a car accident in two thousand and fourteen. Um, again, with the silver lining. Um, I was in a car accident. It was really bad. I have like scars and my whole body was broken and it took me um, a long time. I had to learn to walk again. I had to learn how to function again and I had a brain injury on top of it. So it's just, it's a lot. Um, Luckily for me, I had my husband as support, but we also had, my son was uh, five and my youngest was almost turning, no, no, four. And my youngest was turning two, um, had just turned two. So I got into this car accident and um, I got airlifted to the hospital. I, I joke that at least I got a free helicopter ride and uh, my whole body's broken. Um, I had to use the, I had to use a wheelchair. I had to use a walker. I, I experienced what life is like using a wheelchair and trying to like, even just go and buy a shirt. Um, the yeah. stores aren't yeah. equipped to um, for disabled people in a wheelchair or even in a walker to just go in and, you know, give them like help their business. Like I, just I used to, them. I used to have to sit yeah. on the floor. I used to have to sit right. on the floor. This is going back when I was like, you know, a preteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I used to have to sit on the floor to put, to try on clothes. And you know how mm-hmm. they used to have like privacy yeah. curtains, but the curtains yeah. wouldn't go all the way to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And so I was sitting on the floor like, and like, you know, scrubbing around trying to put on pants and stuff. And I mean, people walking by could see everything. But they didn't have chairs. It was like, well, if you can't oh, yeah. stand, if you can't stand, you might as well sit and, on the floor then. Yeah, sit on the floor. Like it's it's just it's dignity. But um yeah. so going back to, to my car accident, I uh you know, after a year of you know, struggling, trying to get, you know, some part of my life back, because like on the on that day, on uh March 29th, 2014, my life stopped. Um, I was working, I'd worked my way out of poverty. Um I worked my way up. I took crap jobs just to get the experience because I didn't have the education. Because again, growing up in a small town, that just, it it screws with your self-esteem. It screws with everything. And so you take that out on yourself. Like there's a lot of self-hate being disabled. You're like, why can't I? Or being being poor, why can't I? Why why do I have this? And you have to work your way through it. um, Or you have to have help and I unfortunately took the hard way and um anyway going forward I took a bunch of crap jobs until I worked my way up to getting a job that was like awesome it was so good it was like everything that I wanted I um I, it was a it was at a payday loan store but um and here's how I thought about it um my customers they're gonna go anywhere they're going to go, they're going to go to any store because this is how they've learned to handle their finances. 
um, check cashing and all of these things they come to me for, but a lot of them had mental illnesses. A lot of them had physical illnesses. A lot of them were old, a lot of them, you know, like there were a lot of problems, mm-hmm. but I always said to my staff, Hey, when they come into my store, when they come into our store, we treat everyone like they're kings. You know what? You treat them with respect. I don't care what your beliefs are. When somebody comes into my store, they're treated with respect. You, they're, they're choosing us to give their business to. Um, so they're going to be treated with respect. I don't care. I don't care about you know, what they look like, how they talk. You treat everyone the same way, no matter what they're doing with us. Um, and I always felt good that I was able to help people at least have some dignity when they were you know, experiencing financial hardships. Um, but going forward, so August, or sorry, April or March 29th, 2014, I was in a car accident. My whole life stopped. Um, I was in a nursing home for 10 days. I was, you know, I got to go home to my family, but I still had to use a walker and a wheelchair. I still had to learn how to walk and all of these things. Um, but a year later I was diagnosed with pulmonary hypertension. So what that is, is my lungs were no longer producing nitrous oxide. And um, I don't know the whole ins and outs of it because honestly, they've told me a thousand times, but it just doesn't stick. So um, whatever, right? Whatever sticks to the wall, I'll keep. Exactly. uh, Right. So my lungs don't work. And because my lungs are in such distress, it puts distress on my heart. So my heart is, uh, you know, it's, it's having troubles trying to keep up because it's not getting enough oxygen. It's not getting enough support for my lungs. So essentially, you know, it, my body's fighting me to live. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I have to fight my body in order to just exist. Right. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gotten this disease anyway, but because of the car accident, I was already, um, I already had the disability tax credit. I already had all my disability in place and then getting diagnosed with this disease. It was easier for me, I guess, to kind of like manage everything because I was already at home. Right. So now I, I say I'm at home all the time. I'm at home full time with my disease and my, you know, lingering mobility issues um, from the car accident. And I just, I hang out with my dogs because they're like the best people I know. <laughs> and, um, and I, right. Like, so it's, it's a charmed life that I have. For therapy. Um, for therapy. Right. Exactly. For <laughs> therapy. I love it. But it's a charmed life that I have. And I wouldn't have had this um, if I was still working. So I'm, I'm you know, I, I look at the car accident. Yes, it sucked. Yes, it was horrible to go through. Yes, I have lingering scars and lingering mobility issues and lingering, you know, uh, anxiety just being in the car. But, um, you know, I now I get to be home. I get to raise my sons like uh, a housewife. Right. I get yeah. to um, I get to hang out with my dogs. I get to spend some time outside. I get to read. Like you know, I still have challenges reading. Um, you have to, you know, use my um, what's it called? My app on my iPad and make everything bigger. But you know, yep. I still get to read and I still get to like, you know, live a life, which I'm very lucky to have. And um, yeah, so yeah, it's uh it still sucks to be on disability. It still sucks to have um, my private insurance company every year. I have to go in for an assessment too, even though my disease isn't ever going away. It's only going to get worse. Right. 
exactly. No and that's one thing that I always tell yeah. people is that if you have a disability, there is always going to be other added disabilities as, as people yeah. get older. I mean, you're either born with it or you develop a, dis a disability yeah. or, or disabilities and you get older and it doesn't stop at 65, right? No. And, and that's the part <laughs> with that C22. Carla Qualtrough thinks that everything's, everybody's healed at 65. Well, I just, you know, that <laughs> 65, it just pisses me off because it's like a disability doesn't go away. It just poof, poof, gone. No, oh, no. And and I understand that, and I'm really happy that the Senate put in the amendment that in, I think it was in four years or five years, or maybe they didn't put it in the amendment, but they definitely spoke about it. I can't remember exactly all the amendments because I was so focused on number two. Um, but I believe that in four or five years, they have to look at the bill and then go back and assess it and see if they can raise the age limit. Because again, disability doesn't start at 65. Now they're right. trying to justify it because the GIS comes in and other federal sports come in to help people with aging disabilities. But as yeah. we all get older, like you said, we have yeah. more to, to spend on. We have more things that we need. We have, you know, now I'm, I'm sure that when I get older, I'm going to have, if I have the ability to get older, like right now I'm just aiming for 60, but if I get to 70, I know that I'm going to need a walker or a cane or a wheelchair and all of these things, um, I'm sure that most people are going to need as we get older. And, you know, unfortunately, we can't just budget for it. We can't no. say, okay, well, you know, I'm going to budget and I have all this, you know, credit so I can buy this thing. But we can't, you know, you can't plan for that kind of thing. It's just like, you need it and you need it. And there's nothing, there's no organization that's out there that's going to say, hey, I have a wheelchair for you. Or, hey, I have a this for you. Or, you know... And it sucks. It sucks that you have to have that stress when you're older too. The government should really help us a little bit more as yeah. as we age. But I'm happy that the CBD is at least going to be looked at. So, um, yeah, it, maybe definitely. there'll be some help. We've yeah. we've, we've blown by the top of the hour. Uh, so oh. I just didn't know if we wanted to wrap up now or not. Do you have any closing comments, Brett? Um. Yeah. I just. I. You know. I. I want to. You know, I want to thank you, uh, you know, Debbie, for for coming on. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and learning learning from uh, your your lived experience and and kind of uh, using examples of maybe other people too of, of putting things into context of saying, okay, well, like this, it's like a domino effect, right? Mm -hmm. There's different things really that watch, things happen, and uh, just putting anything into context, it really uh, it reassures that that hope of, of yes you can you can push forward yes there's people around you that care and that mm -hmm. that are there to support what you're going through of, are you talking like just talking to maybe if they're not directly there if somebody's going through you know they right. say well I don't, have, I don't have somebody to talk to well there are people there are people that are Come going on twitter <laughs> yeah go on twitter yeah i mean yeah. And, and you know there's that connection of of um kind of relating to what people are going through Mm -hmm. Now, everybody doesn't go through the same thing. Like everybody's yeah. uh, disabilities are um, their own, their own, what they're going through. Uh, mm -hmm. And well, I guess my message I have out there for people is just they never just judge like, or look at, at a person of saying, oh, well, this is this is what they're able to do. This is, you know, just go for it. A job's a job. Like, look, at you have to understand like everybody's different and nobody needs to be like when I say different of their disabilities, like don't. You give it like a, a one size fits all. Oh, okay. No, it's um everybody's yeah. situation is their situation, lived experience, lived mm -hmm. their life, 
and the politicians have to understand that like it's uh, making a decision of if it's provincial uh, disability, if it's federal, mm -hmm. a federal new program, you really have to look and, and listen and, and get the help out while something is getting developed, get the help out there for people. In the meantime, uh, if they're not gonna do that, provincial governments need to take their responsibility and making sure they take care of their citizens and making sure that they have fundamentally enough for housing, enough for food, enough for your basic necessities in life, uh, mm -hmm. toiletries, you name it, uh, and their disability-related equipment. If you need, they, a person needs that help, they need that extra support, mm -hmm. don't question it. Don't, don't, don't keep questioning do why, 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 why do, why do you need that extra help? Like, you know, mm -hmm. you go into an office, why do you need that? Why are you not budgeting better? Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, give the race the rates. I mean, my gosh. Um, you know, and I, I mentioned this in a meeting that I that I had to, um, but just briefly I did. But uh, um, I guess with that being said, um, I mean, it's always a pleasure, uh, Debbie. Uh, and I always say this to the guests uh, too, is uh, I'd like to have you come back on. Okay, I can do that. Um, just before we go, I just wanted to just say that, you know, our disabled, our disability community, we understand each other and, um, we understand how much it sucks. And I want to just say this one thing about my mom. Um, yeah. At Christmas time, we would always like, because you get your taxes earlier, you used to in, in Ontario, we used to be able to file them um, for the year, for this year, we would be able to file them in December and get our tax money. So we would always go, we would always get it on December 24th. My mom and I would always go on the busiest day of the, the holiday and Christmas shop, like yep. bandits, right? Um, it was like, it was a rush, but it was something that we loved. And it was something that like a, a tradition, I guess. But anyway, after a day of shopping at the mall, we stopped at Burger King and my mom loved Burger King. Um, and she always got a Whopper to go. And we're standing there and we're waiting for the bus to come. And across the street, we see a man um, who's obviously fallen on very, very, very hard times. And he's digging through the, he's digging through the garbage. He's trying to find something to eat. My mom sees that, you know, she's got this walker and I'm not paying any attention, right? All I see is her crossing the street against the light too, may I add, um, oh, breaking oh. the law, but whatever. She was, yeah. she was just like that. But she crossed the street and she gave this man her extra whopper. And then, you know, and then came back and like, it was like the most selfless thing I've ever seen anybody do you know like it was just it was a beautiful thing and I think taking care of each other is what we have to do because we don't have any other choice we have to take care of each other we have to like go out there and help each other if you see somebody struggling you know what don't mind your business go ask if you can help right like see if there's anything you can do to make that person suffering lessen you know um it doesn't take much to do you know if I, I don't know, I complain a lot. I, I have a very feisty side to my personality. And when I don't get, um, when somebody screws up an order or whatever, I will go in and complain because I just don't have the, you know, the filter not to, but they always give me like extra like food coupons or a gift certificate or whatever. And I keep those in my car for if I see someone who's struggling like that and I hand them out to them because food, food shouldn't be, Food shouldn't be a, a right. Option, optional. Or it shouldn't be optional, yeah. right? It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be something that you deserve. It should be something that you're, 
you, you're given. Um, yeah. Maybe not Burger King, maybe not treats like that. But if you're if you're standing on the side of the road with your belongings in a cart, it's clear you don't have many options, right? Um, so just take care of each other. That's all I got to say. Um, thank you so much for having me on. Um, what a treat this was. I've never done this before. So what a treat. And you guys are just you know, top notch. And thank you so much. And thank you for being so patient with me. Um, oh, it's, disabilities, uh, you know what? Like sometimes... Like my MRI appointment, it just came out of the blue and oh, you don't sometimes get a choice, right? You just yeah, gotta no. go. Life happens you know, as they say, yeah. You right? just have to go with the flow in life. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm glad that you, you mentioned about, um, you know, having um, an extra, say, uh, a, you know, a burger and you gave, your mom gave it to yeah. somebody. Yeah. I remember I remember a time I, uh, I was visiting uh, in another community and uh, I was visiting a friend of mine and I was I had a coupon and it was buy one it was buy one get one free. Mm -hmm. Okay, I went to I went to A and W at the time and you know I was like man oh you're oh god it's going back in time mm -hmm. <laughs> now time travels right um so anyway and I, I couldn't eat I couldn't eat all that it was a whole meal and it was an extra burger right. right and I saw a person same thing I I saw a person who needed mm -hmm. help and I I know I know wasn't about to eat it because I didn't want to go to waste and I. I went to the, the store and I said, well, you can just pretend that you gave it to me and you guys can give mm -hmm. it to your employees when your employees can have it. No, no, we, we can't do that, sir. You can take it with you and do what you need to do. Well, I saw a homeless person who I would see from time to time in the, in the community and, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it was in the lower mainland. I was out in um, an area called Maple Ridge and um, the person was really having a hard time. And I, I knew that. And I said, you know, can I make your day? Can I make your day a little bit brighter? Nobody can make my day brighter. You know, this society doesn't care about me. Government doesn't care about mm -hmm. me. This is where I am. I go, I care about you. I mm -hmm. care. I said, and um, what I can do is I, I can give you this. And, oh, and he says, well, thank you. And I, and I turned around and you know what? I, I had $3 in my, in my, my pocket. I, my other money was in my bank at the time and I right. but I went over and I said uh I went over back over to AW I saw him I said you know what just wait for a minute I went back over to AW and I said can I get a small root beer and I I just I don't know I, I should have asked him if, if he wanted root beer I didn't know what I just went and got yeah. a small root beer and I came back and I said you know what who doesn't like root beer though yeah here's a drink to go with your <laughs> with your burger right and he was just like he he had tears running down his face like he he says, nobody's ever done this for me in life. And I, and I said, hey, you know, I, mean, I guess you're in the right place at the right time. Because uh, yeah. I said, I can't eat two burgers. And I, I'd end up having to waste it. And I don't want to do that. Um, yeah, so, pay it forward, right? Yeah. No, that, that's what I've always done mm -hmm. that in life. I've always yeah. seen when I was a kid, I, I would go to the store and I'd bag, buy a bag of chips. And I'd do a paper route. Mm -hmm. and I, you know, Debbie, I used to get a bag of chips chocolate bar and a pop once a month mm -hmm. i treat myself on a paper room dollar uh -huh. five dollar five <laughs> can't do that now <laughs> no. yeah yeah, yeah. I, no but I, I just you know i just want to give it as an example of saying like pay it forward like mm -hmm. if people were able to pay it forward and uh and it just gives them that sense of a feeling of like wow like i don't know what else to do for everybody if, mm -hmm. if you're able to to help somebody um because then what goes around comes around i always I, I look at what goes around comes around. I've always believed that in life. It's mm -hmm. uh, things happen for reasons. Uh, and I, 
collectively as uh, you know as Canadian citizens, right? We, we have to look out for each other as best way we can. If the mm-hmm. government's not going to do it, then then we then society we have to take care of ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I well, just oh sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, I'm just gonna um, say like we everybody's equal. Like we might not be equal in the terms of status or finances or housing, but just because you see someone who's, you know, fallen on hard times and all their belongings are on the cart doesn't mean that you're better than them. We have to get over this idea of comparing ourselves to somebody else to make ourselves feel better. Um, I, I lived in right? a house. Like it just. I lived in a house uh, at one time in a in a place, and uh, I was actually temporary homeless. Uh, I I had I didn't have an address. I mean, I stayed in accommodation. I stayed in mm-hmm. a hotel, but I didn't have an address for about uh, two months almost. Yeah, um, it's I moved tough, into a right? place and and uh, I lost everything due to bed bugs. And I unless I I I freaked. I left everything behind. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and then built from that point on. So um, I can't relate to somebody who's actually being like actually homeless on the street. That's something mm-hmm. I can't relate to. Um, I've had people in my life that have been and um, helped them through their journey the best way I can right. um, and making them understand that things can progress in a positive way um, and just connecting through networks. And I've right. actually brought people to different areas um but yeah like it was scary it was um for me uh, i had i had some resources at the time that uh mm-hmm. and i had depleted them all down in, in staying in a hotel until i um i actually staying at um well at my uh, my roommate's uh parents for a while and then we then found a place we then moved on and built mm-hmm. built what's the foundation around and so uh, things can happen. Like it can happen so quick to anybody for different yep. things. Um, and that's why you your one your one accident or one one situation away from being in our in our shoes. It, change, it changes everything. Yeah. It changes your whole world stops. And yep. then you have to restart as a different person almost. Um, but awesome. yeah, I just I feel like oh, and just about the C twenty two and amendment number two. Um yep. The private insurance amendment. Now, I again, I have private insurance, um, and I also receive. I have children, uh, two sons, um, and I receive the Canadian child tax benefit. Um, that's not deducted from my private insurance because they said it was a benefit. So I feel like it's not a fact, but I feel that when uh, Minister Qualco, I can't pronounce her last name to save my life, but um, when the minister said that. Um, she believes in her conversations that this benefit will not be taken from private insurance. I believe her based on my experience. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it's going to be the way I think it's going to be. I feel the stress on Twitter. I feel the stress online um, from everyone who's upset about this second amendment. Um, And I just, I feel like we all just need to take a deep breath and um, hope for the best plan for the worst but yeah. hope for the best. And I feel like this is going to be, I think everything's going to be okay. Right. Yeah. Um, I wish I could go on Twitter and I wish I could tell, I wish I could talk everybody through all of the issues and be like, okay, what this, but this, but yeah. this, but 
Twitter's not a very open-minded place. We're all very angry in our in our lives, and we're all very you know we need a place to put it, yeah. so we put it online, right? Yeah, it's, it's um, like it's like a venting where people just right? so frustrated because they, it's like they just want stability. They want to know mm -hmm. that everything's going to be okay. And right. you know the theme song Neo is everything's going to be all right. right. That's that's yeah. that's the yeah. song. I yeah. love it. Yeah, I yeah. like the singing. Just thinking, as soon as you said that, <laughs> oh, wait a minute, there's a song. Everything's going to be yeah, yeah, all yeah. Right. everything's going to be all right, buddy. Right. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I join you in singing, but nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I, I had I had uh, one of my other guests on. He was he was playing a guitar. He was playing, he was just like ding ding ding. ding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's going to be all right. But um, yeah, yeah I I'm hopeful. Yeah. And again. Thank you so much for having me on. What a delight this was. And anytime you want me back, you just tweet at yeah. me. Oh, and anybody who's having any troubles with any kind of forms, please at me. I love forms so much and I love the hoops and I'm very good at jumping them. So if you're having troubles, reach out to me. I will do my best. Hey, if um, you're not sure about RDSP, uh, just re reach out to Debbie McCoy. Yeah. Uh, if you have questions. Um, there's also another uh, good gentleman also. Um, uh, MP uh, Peter Julian, uh, he uh, gave a great seminar about the uh, RDSPs and the, uh, the DTC, um, the reasons why uh, that people should apply for it. So well, yeah, like there's always it, resources. Yeah, I think it might be one of the filtering um, that the government does to for people who are on the disability tax credit, just based on like, again, this is not fact, this is just my feeling based on like I watched the Parle View TV and I aged drastically while watching it. But um, I feel like that's gonna be one of their filters. It. Right, you watched it too. Yeah, see, we're, we're traumatized just from that alone. I, I, <laughs> but, watched, uh, I, I watched our provincial one when they're actually in session and I, I just glued right to it. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> People go, oh, that, but that session, this session's boring. I'm like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> no, I, I get it, right? But, yeah. Um, I, I yeah, can show so, the too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I sessions. <laughs> I, have, I have somebody knocking at my door, Brent. Oh, yeah, oh. No, go ahead. Oh. Guys, thank you so much. Hey, thank have you. a great yeah. afternoon. Yeah, I was, was going to say, we always say we need, we need an army. I wore yes. my uh, Marvel shirt for, I like uh, this shirt very much. for the Avengers, right? We have yes. awesome. army, army of Avengers. Yes. Oh. Yeah. 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 All right, guys. Have a great afternoon. Yeah. Thank you, Debbie. Bye. Thanks. You're Bye. welcome. Bye now. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye.